You're listening to Parenting Our Future. I'm parenting expert, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in all different areas of your parenting so you can create strong connections with your kids, get all the cooperation you want, and live a life that is full of joy and connection. And by the way, the tools and solutions that you're looking for in your parenting don't just live in each episode of my show. They're also in my free membership site, The Parent Toolbox, where you can access tools created by myself and my brilliant guests that cover everything from helping your kids to sleep, managing meltdowns, reducing overwhelm to getting your kids to listen the first time and so much more. Join The Parent Toolbox so you can download and use the tools that are ready on the site and Each week, a brand new tool is added. And of course, the best part is it's absolutely free to join and to stay in. You can go to www.parent-toolbox.com today. Now let's dive into this next episode of Parenting Our Future. Hello, everybody. It's Robin here. We are here to talk about money again, but how to really get a handle on money for your family and for the future. I have expert Anna Sergunina here. She is just so lovely. Let me tell you a little bit about her. First of all, she has over 16 years experience as a experience as a certified financial planner and is the CEO of Main Street Financial Planning Incorporated, which is one of the nation's largest fee-only, project-based, planning-only, focused companies that serve families with young children wanting to grow their wealth and to make smart financial decisions along the way. She's also a mom to a two-year-old little boy named Liam, and she is a huge advocate for financial education and has been featured in some pretty cool publications like Business Insider, Forbes, USA Today, NASDAQ, Wall Street Journal, and was called a virtual force by Morningstar and recognized by financial advisor Magazine as one of the top 10 young advisors to watch. And that was in 2017. So she is a force and she's an expert. And I only bring the best of the best to parenting our future. So Anna, welcome. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited. Oh, good. This is so great. So, you know, when you are growing your family, no matter what stage you're at, it is daunting because you are you know, raising your family, you have all of these things to buy money to spend on things like, you know, it starts with a crib and a stroller and a car seat, and then goes into bikes and, uh, you know, more, more big items, uh, vacations, we've got all of this stuff that we want to do now, but there's the future looming, which is higher education for our kids our own retirement, and who knows how old we are by the time we actually have kids, could be closer or farther away, depending on when we've, you know, started our family. So, oh, oh, did I mention daycare? Did I say daycare? (laughs) Uh, The van that you, you know, car loan that you have, like, it's overwhelming. And I remember feeling like, $20 was a lot of money. Like I don't have 20 bucks to go and just waste on something. Like it was a lot. So, okay. Tell me, you know, where do you start with families? Where do you start? (laughs) I know. Okay. So let's everybody take a deep breath. It is all possible. Just like, I know, just like, just like you, uh, you, 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 you teach your, uh, your parent clients, like you've got to work, you know, from within same, same really applies to finances. So I, I know it's overwhelming. I've seen this 
um, for years with clients and then I'm going through through this phase myself uh, right now, which is really interesting as well. So, you know, kind of like all of the dots are connecting. So I like to focus um, when, when we're thinking about how can we accomplish all of these things that are presented to us and especially like at the very core of all of this, make sure that we secure that financial future because yeah. the time is going to go by fast and um, we, we just want to make the smart financial decisions. So I like to start by, by really understanding where everything is at. And I call that your financial pulse. So um, mm. very simple things such as knowing how much money is coming in every two weeks in your checking account, every week, every month, however often you get paid. Or maybe you're a business owner, you don't have consistency to your paycheck, mm. right? It really depends on how many clients you work with, you know, and then maybe quarterly that you get uh, the income coming in. So you still need to know. And it's interesting enough too, is that sometimes we we know we think we know how much money we make, but when you really sit down and look like what is hitting your bank account, how much is it really? That's a completely different number. Yeah. It could be that you're making, let's say a hundred thousand dollars, but at the end of the day, you're not gonna get a hundred thousand dollars because there's uh, taxes that come out, there's maybe you're paying for insurance and some other you know deductions that ultimately are still funding, right? And giving you resources that you need, health insurance, uh, life insurance, disability, and so forth. So understand where your income is coming from. And if your income is not fixed or it's not coming in consistently, you really need to have that baseline understanding where it's, where it's, where it's at. Number two would be to really do an inventory of all of your expenses. It's, it's, it's basic, as basic, as frustrating for some people as this may sound, I really think it's, it's a good exercise. Um, and especially if you're a parent, you know, newer parent and sort of adjusting to all these things that Robin said, that we need to spend money on strollers, diapers, formula, baby clothes, they grow up so fast, shoes, I need to buy new shoes for my son. He's like, He's been wearing the same shoes for like three months now and I feel guilty. <laughs> I just haven't gotten around to doing it <laughs> and he needs a new pair. So um, where are all this money is going? You got, you know, your income, right? And where are all this money is going? I am um, not a budgeter. Like I don't keep a budget of my expenses. Like this, this may sound really crazy for someone who's a financial planner and works with clients and creating financial plans, but it's just my personality. I don't do well with having a structure that like really really just structure around where one dollar goes so where do I spend my ten dollars mm -hmm. I like a structure of where I know and, and it's it came to me over the years um, in terms of understanding what are my fixed obligations are so we can talk about you know what do you spend on rent or mortgage property taxes insurance um, you know elect electricity bills things like that so all of us have those expenses so do an inventory just make, take a sheet of paper divided it in, in, in half, and in one side, write down my fixed expenses and just make a list of all of them. Mm -hmm. What are they? They don't change for most, most part from months to months. So when you, when you think about all of, you know, all of that you have to spend money on, at least if you know what your fixed part is, that gives you, should give you some relief. You're like, okay, I know what my income is. I know what my fixed part of the expenses is. And then now all of a sudden, this is where like that budget idea at least for me kind of goes away I know I got the fixed part can we focus on the variable and all of us could could really define what our variable expenses are some some of my clients like to fix uh, fix expenses like 
groceries. Like they want to think of those being very uh, fixed. I like to be to live that in a variable category because one week we can go here in the United States, we could go to Trader Joe's, right? Or Costco. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure what those kind of stores are in Canada, but you know, we can buy in bulk and then we can, you know, one week we can go and buy something like at Whole Foods, a fancier store, right? Or we can yeah. go to a farmer's market and spend a little bit more money. So I want to have the variable bucket. And so if you kind of have these two side by side, all of a sudden you're going to have your total number for, for your lifestyle expenses. And so as a growing family, there's going to be more variable things coming to your variable side of expenses. Like it's just given, right? And as kids get older, more things just, just pop up. And so what you want to do is you want to have an idea. What, is it, what does it take for you to live your lifestyle? It doesn't matter. Like we haven't put any numbers on how much income you're making just yet, right? I mean, those numbers have to add up. But if you got your fixed part, and this is where, like, that's when I realized that I started to have less stress when I really knew precisely, like, let's, I can give you some, like, real numbers, or, you know, just examples. Let's say $5,000 we needed to, my husband and I, before we had our son, to live on. That was, like, that's what we had to make, like, to have a roof over our head, and, you know, just, just like, bare minimal. Everything else that came, right, and we made as income was really floating in our variable uh, bucket. And so what I did initially is I created, I set up two checking accounts. That was like one way for me to keep the, the, the clarity and, and relieve the stress. So one checking account paid for fixed expenses. And all it did is just, because all the bills on auto pay, it just every month, whatever had to be paid went out of that. And that account just sat there until the next month when we had to do it again. And so the variable account or second checking account, that's the one that we started to, you know, really pay a lot more attention to. And because all you really had there are things like, I don't know, groceries, maybe gas, maybe going out, you know, for dinners, if you have kids activities, and if you were buying, you know, clothes, whatever, you know, whatever those items, it, it was just a lot shorter list. And it, it just gave me a lot more confidence and a lot less stress mm -hmm. that, you know, things were not sort of like all over the map. Something else that really, um, after a while, um, came handy was, and, and you mentioned this, Robin, too, like, how do we save for the future, right? How do we make, make sure we're continuing to save? Because one of the things I find and hear quite a bit with, with, with families, anyone really, is like, it is so hard to save. Like, I just, I just can't figure out how can I do all of these things and still save money. And so what, what I really, how I view the savings aspect is it's really just and you guys, I'm sure have heard this before, is th this idea of paying yourself first. Mm -hmm. So if, if the top of the list, and this is funny, but everybody puts at the top of the list fixed expenses is like mortgage or rent payment. No, put that thing at the bottom of the list. You pay yourself at the top of the list. Your savings for retirement, whatever it is, if it's $100 at the moment, because that's all you have, right? You're, you're you know, within your income um, an expense limit, that's it. But you are the priority at the top of the list. So in that, on that left-hand side, on our list that we just made, savings becomes a mandatory expense, right? Mm -hmm. That you fund right off the bat. Nothing else gets paid until you get paid. And so it sounds really simple and cliche, and you may have heard that concept, like paying yourself first. But until you actually do it, it doesn't become real. Like it's just a thing that, people say. Yeah. What if 
you don't have enough to save. And that means you're not going to pay your mortgage or your rent or whatever, if you have that savings, right? What if you just don't have enough and you're really working paycheck to paycheck? Like I think a lot of people are right. Start, start with, start with $50, start with some amount. It's, it's more of, this is also one of the things that I really like to focus with folks is mindset and habits. It is just like, going to the gym every day, even though you may, or, you know, whatever exercise you do, maybe you do that in your, in your basement these days, right? It's just having the consistency because it starts to grow on you. All of a sudden you'll realize, right? Maybe at the end of the month, you see that your variable account and you didn't spend as much money there. And maybe you have extra 50 bucks and then you can transfer that, that, but, but see the minutia of doing the transfer and kind of leaving it to, if you had extra, is what gets you out of you know out of whack. Where you have it more consistently and it's really structured, it's it just gets you there much much closer. So don't worry about the amount. You know we're not talking about any amount right now. We're talking about the structure that you can follow. And the more you take it out of you actually doing it and set up the audit deposits, right? Like transfer from one account to another account, mm-hmm. the better off you're going to be in the long run, right? Because I I want you to think about this 10 years from now, right? When the kids grow up, 18 years from now, if you have a you know a young child like mine, it's yeah. gonna all well, add up. And I think we've got it. So mindset is huge, right? And I and I want to sort of talk about that a little bit because um, I think that that gets in the way sometimes, right? We have a weird relationship with money. Um, I know that I have had that um, because of the way I was brought up and just sort of the dynamic we had in our family. And it's it's messed me up a little bit, to be honest. And so, um, but I also know that that savings, having that in the bank, even if it was just $20 I could put in there this month, I have that saved, right? And that's like a no-go zone. Like you're not allowed to touch that, right? At least mm-hmm. not unless there is a, an emergency, right? Like a doctor's bill or a car, you know, repair or a roof repair or something like that, right? Like I, I know that I always feel better when I have a little bit of money saved. Um, so here's the thing though, how do you change your mindset around it if money has been a source of stress, a source of pain for you. Um, you know, so, so for example, like in my life growing up, we had either, it was feast or famine. That's kind of how it was. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we were, we, we, we always had stuff. My mom always had a regular job. For example, my dad was kind of an entrepreneur and it was up and down and a little bit scary sometimes. Right. And so, yeah. How, how do you, how do you work on that when you, when we don't teach that, you know, it's a very good question. I, and over the years, um, I didn't come from a perfect family where, I mean, I wish I did. And I think yeah, I still does. I went into this career. I know, right? Um, I was a great family, but not perfect in money for sure. And I think that's one of the reasons um, that I became interested in, in personal finance because it's just, I had zero skills and just a whole bunch of mistakes to, you know, to correct. Um, so I've, what I found useful in my own experience and what I see with clients um, is it doesn't matter like it, it's it doesn't matter what your background is and how your family treated money when you start to look at it and of course it's, it's more than just what I can share on a podcast in terms of like you know your your mindset and all that it takes some time to to wrap your head around it but when you start to focus on what you're trying to accomplish and in, in personal finances, we call uh, those things financial goals. 
Mm. When you start to identify, like, for example, um, for parents, particularly with like one big goal would be um, to save for their kids' education, right? Like that's number one thing that everybody wants to do. It could be, it could be very different. Somebody wants to save for four-year university, um, you know, private school. Somebody wants to, you know, their kids to go to community college. It doesn't matter, but you want to provide for, you know, for their future education. So when you start to focus on the goal itself versus, you know, oh, I don't have the money or the money is the evil, uh, right? Or I don't know how to make it or I don't have enough, like all of those negative yeah. things. When you start to focus on what it is that you're trying to accomplish, then, then along the way, you're going to realize that money is going to be that tool for you to get the goal. So when you think of it as a tool, as a means to, you know, to get there, then all of a sudden it's not that evil monster thing that, you know, exists in your head. And you start to think about, okay, well, how, how now can I go and maybe make more, right? How can I apply my skills to create more income and create more money? Because it's not always about save, save, save. If you don't, like, there's only so much to save. So you think about like, okay, what can I do to earn more money? Then all of a sudden that money that was evil and, you know, you didn't know how to deal with, didn't know how to, um, you know, save or spend or treat it becomes a tool. And so you start to see the connection of like, okay, I have a goal. Obviously I have a responsibility if it's taking care of my family. What, what else can I do? Because all of us have the experience, the skills. We just need to look a little bit outside of, you know, this sort of space that we operate in where money is this evil thing. So focus on it as being a tool that you can use. And it's not against you. It's never, money is never against you. Um, it's really there for you to use in any way you want. And so the positive side of thinking is really, it does help a lot. So hopefully this reframing um, gets you started on, on that path. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned through my own journey is focusing on debt will keep you focused on debt, but yeah. focusing on how much you're earning and, you know, how much, you know, if you want to use the law of attraction or, you know, whatever, whatever your, whatever your, your jam is. Um, but for you to focus on, you know, creating money versus dwelling in the debt. So, you know, you, you, you sort of touched on it and, and there's a lot of people that have side hustles, right? There's a lot of people that can use their skills to create things. And we're so lucky. We have these amazing sites like Facebook marketplace or Etsy or, you know, wherever, you know, you can have your own um, Amazon store, I think too, right. You can do all of this stuff on your own and create some, um, you know, create some products or services or something to give you a boost. And I think the reality is, is that most jobs today will not necessarily carry you, like they're not going to make you rich. So you have to do something extra in order to, you know, to maybe rise above the, just sort of the average. Is that right? I don't, I don't want to say it like that. I, I, I agree. I agree hundred percent. I've been advocating for, for exploring any opportunities to make, to make income. Again, if you think of money as a tool, so how can you, if, you know, even in the savings com- component of it, like when you save a hundred dollars, if you put it in a savings account or if we put $100 in an investment account, remember, it is it starts to work for you. It's not just it's gone. You can't use it. 
it is there for you to give you more income. So your goal should be, how can I put more of these $100 or whatever the, the equivalent of that is in something that works for you? So that's the, that's the ultimate wealth creation process, right? And so you, it starts very slow. It starts yeah. you know, $1 at a time until you can build it up. But I, by any means, I've, I've always wanted folks to think about what is it you can do outside of nine to five uh, job that yeah. you have to pay for basic lifestyle right now. And well, and, and, I, and I think it's a neat thing for you to talk about with your kids and show them what you're doing. Maybe they help out. Maybe they get part of the profits if they do the work too, right? Like seeing that sort of thing and getting them thinking about, hey, you know, how can I make some money now as well, right? I know we're talking about the parents, but I think that, it, you know, it, it goes it, it goes together, right? Our kids see us do that and like, well, I don't know. What do you, you know, do you want to do, um, you know, a little craft and sell it? you know, sell it, you know, like a lemonade stand or whatever, you know, we can, yeah. Exactly. I, and, and that's one of the, the biggest questions parents have is how do we teach our kids to be smart with our finances? Because we all made a fair share of mistakes. That's exactly what we don't want for our kids, right, to do. So we're going to be best examples, but that's the best way to learn, right, is to, is to lead by example. So if they see you, uh, you know, doing these extra projects or, you know, going somewhere and they understand that you're, you know, doing it for the greater good of the family, because, you know, maybe we want to go on a nice vacation. Maybe they understand that we're saving for college, or even if you're introducing concepts like, you know, the, the allowance, or you giving them the three jars approach. I love that. That's when you teach them about yes. saving, spending, and then giving. Well, how does yeah. the money show up for, for that? Like, it just doesn't come from the sky, right? They just magically show up in the, in, in their jars. So they have to do something for that. So that that is a really good concept to implement in your family is, is, is and really by example, um, because otherwise, how would kids really see that structure and understand yeah, that? I, I love the three jars. So like it's something we did with our kids, mm-hmm. um, but like it's so they get an allowance essentially, or there's another way that money comes to them. Right. And they put a certain amount in spending savings and then giving, right? So spend savings, charity or whatever, however you want to say it, but it is a really, really great way to get your kids to think about savings, about spending because, and, and if they are allowed to spend it, let them spend it, right? Let them spend it. Even if it's on something that you think is dumb, it's their money to spend, right? Let them sort of learn those lessons, or you can maybe talk to them about, you know, is this the best way to spend your money? If you spend it here, you won't have any more, at least not this week, you'll get more next week or whatever, you know? So maybe you can help them with some critical thinking around it as well, right? Exactly. No, and yeah. and, and, I've, and there's also, um, you know, some families really kind of view of, um, have a different view or different opinion about allowance and how the money actually even shows up yes. in, in, these, in those jars. And I feel like it's, there's like those two concepts, the jars and, and allowance or, you know, how, how it all ends up there is really totally depends on your family values and, you know, how you want to uh, structure that. But I, I think the ultimate lesson for the kids is to be able to participate, to, to be able to feel, mm-hmm. touch the money, whether it's coins or, you know, actual, you know, dollars, um, but giving them discretion of what they do with it is, is, is phenomenal because mm-hmm. then, then, then they realize that they are in charge and they have the ability to make the decisions. Cause that's, and that's why I love this concept. And I've been 
you know, this that's been the, the mission of our of our companies is to help uh, people make smart financial decisions. And so, yeah. but that comes from within, right? That comes from 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 understanding of what is you know what is the right thing to do and what is maybe not so right. And yeah, obviously we're all gonna make the fair share of our bad decisions, but that's what we don't want for for our poor kids. kids. Well, yeah. yeah. And, you know, with this concept of the, the giving too, I just, I just want to, I just want to say that, you know, if you can um, orchestrate it in a way where your kids are kind of the hero in the giving, right? Like we did um, my, my little one uh, when he was little, he's the same size as me or bigger now. Uh, but we did a little uh, lemonade stand outside. Plus he took all of his charity money and he, you know, he had over a hundred dollars and we went to Ronald McDonald house and they did a check, a big giant check. We had a, you know, we had our picture taken and, uh, and then my other son brought some Lego. So, you know, it was a really, it was a really sweet win for everybody um, to be able to do that and to sort of have that celebration of charity. So it is a way, I think, too, for them to feel good about money. So there's a, you know, when we talk about mindset and like, look, look, money, money, it feels good. It feels good to give it away. It also feels good to spend it and it feels really good to save it. Right. So I think that's a really great point that we should be thinking about. Exactly. Yeah. So, like again, that that that's why I think of it as a tool. These are the tools yeah. that can allow you to do these, can do great things, help others, right? You can, you know, reward yourself for all the hard work, and you can also save for the future, right? So it's like it's not it's not one or the other, uh, for so, sure. So that's the that's the mindset for sure. I, I agree. What if you're worried that it's not enough? Um, so look, I'm, I'm saving my $20 a month and saving, I'm, I'm doing the, the thing I'm finding ways to, to make more money. What if it's not enough? Like, is it okay in some cases to go into debt to finance, well, you know, university, uh, or put a vacation on a credit card? What do you think about that? Yeah, it's um, it, it, it's a it's a real balancing act. So I think the short answer, yes, if it's if it helps you, because nobody wants. I mean, nobody should live in, you know, in perfect life. They they shouldn't be living in the worry and the stress and you know all of that anxiety that that people have. That's not ideal. Um, I, I want to highlight for parents. I'm, I'm still at the very beginning journey of parenthood, um, and and I'm kind of thinking, you know, ahead. But, but that, that phase of where we do spend more money on our kids and we have more obligations is gonna come to an end at some point. Kids are gonna grow up. There's gonna be, we call this in financial planning, a launch phase and everybody laughs. They're like, well, the kids are launched, they're off to college or they're off to do their own life. So if you can't, for example, manage to save you know, enough um, during that time while you're raising kids, just remember that when the kids are gone, there's going to be still an opportunity mm -hmm. for you at that point to work maybe more because you may need to catch up, right? To save more, to spend less, like you're going to have an opportunity to adjust your life. So if, if like, if you're really pushed against, you know, with your back against the wall and it's all there, that's just like, hopefully that's one, you know, little mindset shift that you can give yourself. In terms of the putting, you know, if you need to put things um, on a credit card or you need to go in debt to do certain things, that's fine too. And the short answer, yes, you can if that's your situation. But I want you to run this concept when you're making a decision. Do I do I go to borrow or do I get in the debt for that? Or do I really wait and save? 
Mm. I want you to look at that. I don't view debt as, as a bad thing. Mm. It's really about thinking, do I have good debt or do I have bad debt? And mm. so how do you tell the difference? The good debt would be a debt that helps you improve your financial situation, your well-being. So for example, you mentioned borrowing for school, right? Let's say you can't just, there's just not enough money to save for college. And your idea is, okay, when kids go to college, I'm going to borrow and just, you know, borrow for student loans or whatever other loan options you may have to help them pay for college. And then I'll just pay it off, you know, as they go or, you know, after that. That's okay because, or at least that qualifies to be a good debt because it allows you to improve, right, your financial situation, helps you raise your kids, provide education for them. Um, another example of a good debt might be, uh, you know, if you want to buy a house, right? Mm. So the mortgage on the house may, may be qualified as a good debt, or at least this is how yeah. I think of it. Um, I would too, yeah. Right, so it provides, maybe you want to start a business, like a lot of people, right, um, go out and borrow money. Maybe you don't have enough savings and you, you want to get a loan. Again, if business is going to create income, provide more security for your family, that should be okay for the, for, the, for the good debt. Now, the bad debt is the one that we really need to think about. Like, okay, I, I get it. Like everybody wants to go on vacation and there's time when you have to do that. Um, but if you haven't saved enough, you should ask yourself a question. Like that's gonna put, you, put your bad debt bucket up if you, you know, if you charge it on a credit card. Cause what are you doing with, with, with the credit cards? It's really, I mean, you're, you're wasting money on paying interest, right? Mm -hmm. if, if, if that's the case. But if it's an emergency situation and you don't have enough reserves, we briefly chatted about the reserves, yeah. right? The, yeah. the rainy day fund. So sure, in the you know, short answer again, yes, you can do it. But I want you to think of that because bad debt is not getting you further ahead. It's satisfying your immediate needs, right? Immediate wants. It probably is not teaching great examples or lessons to your kids about, hey, you know, there's some things we have to wait for. Um, in life yeah. in order to enjoy. So I, it's a bit of a balancing act, but mm -hmm. at least I, I wanna sort of give you this bad, that good, that framework so that you can start to see, all right, what are we focusing on? And also if you do have the debt it, it currently, right? If you're carrying credit card debt or auto loans, consumer loans and things like that, and you have a mortgage, you're kind of deciding, well, I wanna pay, pay you know, most of it off or all of it off. What do you focus on? Focus on, on things that are, fall in the category of bad debt. So if the credit mm -hmm. cards are there, uh, uh, you know, personal loans, auto loans, everything that does not you know, fall into the category of good debt. If you have student loans, and a lot of families that I work with um, still have their own student loans, right? Because they're paying them off and then now they're talking about saving for college for their kids. They're like, oh my gosh, this is sort of like, you know, a big balancing act. So mm -hmm. bad debt is the one that you should go, uh, should focus on getting rid of first if you can. Does, does that help kind yeah, of get, cool. get totally friendlier good. with debt? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a good point. Like not all debt is bad. Like let's look at it, right? I also think what you said about, um, you know, the, the fact, you know, as we get, well, I think as we get older too, you know, we tend to make more money. Like if we've stayed in the same job, there's going to be raises, there's going to be different things. Plus, like you said, your kids are not always going to be with you and you will have a time when you're not necessarily spending the same amount of money because you're not as responsible for them. And so you can pay some of that later or whatever, right? Um, 
So I really like that. So for the listeners, as we kind of wrap up here, because I, I want to talk about the toolbox item that you have for us, because that really pulls all of this conversation together, what you've provided for us. But one last question, what is the one non-negotiable thing that you would tell the listeners to do if they haven't? Is it like having insurance? Is it having savings? Is it, you know, uh, just knowing where you're at? Like, what is the one thing that is non-negotiable that everybody needs to go like run, don't walk and do right now if they haven't done. <laughs> yeah, I think it's actually, you'd be surprised. It's really um, not so um, so much of a financial thing, but it still ties in all the financial, financial pieces together. Um, I want all the parents to, to think about a situation uh, and how they want, they want to take care of their family when they're not here. And so it ties into we call those estate planning documents. Really, really simple things, but a will, right? That's a document that states, here's what you do with all of my money. And remember, at least in the United States, I'm pretty sure in Canada as well, your kids, especially minors under age of 18, cannot make any legal decisions. So even if you think mm-hmm. that all the, everything you have set up is going to go to them, it can't. Legally can't until they're 18. So that's number one. Number two, until they're 18, somebody's going to have to step in and make the decisions on, 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 on their behalf. Number three is you probably may want to think about how you want all of that to run. So like estate planning documents, which include a will, a durable power of attorney, it's a f- form for, for financial matters, outlines all of those things. Here's how I want these things to, to work. Here's the name guardians. Guardians are people that take care of your kids for, you know, for all the lifestyle decisions. And then you can have a guardian who does the financial decisions. You don't have to pick, you know, somebody who does the same. You can kind of, you know, separate the two. Um, And then we also have um, healthcare directive form. This is like, if if you can't make decisions on your own around health decisions and, and, you know, things like that, that helps. Um, So that I think is non-negotiable if you have minor kids, because I mean, I, I just can't think of any situation, any, anything that we just talked about up until this point, we can do really great. But if, if unfortunate situation happens and you're not there, like you don't want you know, the kids to go through a really messy um, you know, situation, mm-hmm. be in the foster care system. And I mean, I can't even think of all of that bad stuff that could happen. So Family fighting over put, kids, all that, yeah. it could get ugly, yeah. So, so unfortunately, that's not a financial item. It has to be created by an attorney, right? A qualified, they're called estate planning attorneys. But yeah. it is so important in this realm of finances because it helps like tie in all of these things. And I want to tell you this. It's actually a lot simpler to create a set of all of these documents than to create a financial plan. I promise you. It's like, mm-hmm. it's really takes, you know, one meeting, one sitting down. Here's, and most of the time attorneys really, you tell them, here's what I'm thinking. They outline it all for you. You sign the papers, it's done. And don't worry if you, you know, don't overthink it. Like sometimes the, the hardest part was for me too. Well, did I make the right decision of picking a guardian? Is this yeah. what I want? You know, just whatever comes to mind first, obviously check with the person if they're available yeah. and, you know, ready to help, but put it in, put it in writing. You can always change it later. If, if that's, you know, just know really it's not it like, right. life happens, so, things happen. that person could pass away or whatever. Um, and look, we're living in a pandemic right now. So, 
it's not lost on many, many, many people that, you know, planning for that is you may not want to, but you're, you need to. So I really love that answer. I think that's great. You want to, you want to plan if something happens to you, what happens to your money, what happens to your kids, their welfare, their education, you know, how exactly do you want them parented, you know, um, and, uh, and who's going to do that. So I really love that. And I want to talk about um, this money checklist that you have, and you, you call it the ultimate new parent money checklist. And by the way, it's so beautifully out, uh, like laid out. Uh, I have to tell you, I just love it. I think everybody will love it. Um, and you know, I, I know you talk about this for new parents, but this isn't just for new parents. This is you no. just dive into this. Just do it. Don't let new. Uh, it's for parents, right? Um, and you you really talk about exactly what we talked about, right? Taking stock of your finances. Um, you know, uh, your income expenses, um, you know, how much time can I afford to take off rainy day fund, big purchases, home auto, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So you walk everybody through exactly what we talked about. And that's so valuable. And your information is on, um, is on this document. If people want to reach out to you, plus you have a money boss podcast, which I have been so honored to be on. Thank you for having yes. me. On. But oh, that was awesome. So, yes. Oh, it was so good. Um, but you've got so many resources for people. Um, and like you said, you are on a mission to educate people and help people and to take the, the scariness out of it. Right. It is exactly true. Yes. So don't get discouraged that it says new parents. This is really um, all these frameworks that we talked about and, and topics for you to focus on um, apply to parents who have kids, you know, all the way until they're 18, because after that, they're, remember, they're going to be adults. And so hopefully they can get their finances, <laughs> finances together. But it's, and just remember, it doesn't matter where you are in this journey. It's really never too late because you can always mm -hmm tweak something. You can always make one thing better. Don't get overwhelmed that there's a checklist of five or six things. Just pick one and do that one really well, right? If it's if for you, if it's estate planning documents and that's your to-do to do item for the rest of the year, just do that, right? That, yeah. That's going to get you much, much further um, than, you know, having to worry about the, the 10 items that we even discussed today. And we, I, we haven't even covered all of them yet. <laughs> I know, so. I know. We, we, we've only scratched the surface, but I think what, you know, what, what you've done is, is helped us to really just clarify a few things. And, and I want to say too, you know, that this isn't something that we were taught and I wish we were teaching more of this in school. Maybe, maybe that will change. Um, but it's not your fault. If you don't understand this, it's not your fault. If you haven't handled money, well, you weren't taught that. And it's the same thing with parenting, right? It's the things same. that I think you should know, but how should I know when nobody taught me or it was modeled in a really chaotic way for me or, you know, dysfunctional way, you know, how, how can I, I think there's certain categories in life that we all face that when we, uh, when we look at it, we feel shame about it, but how are we supposed to know? I think like of organization of like, you know, cleaning, like, unless we were really taught how to organize, clean and sort things, money is one of them. Parenting is another one of them. You know, all these things that we think we should know, we got to give ourselves a break. Nobody taught us. Yeah. It's all good. We, and, and there's people like you and I that will help you through it, you know, cause we've learned exactly. it. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm, that's why I'm, I've been passionate about this, this topic altogether. Um, yeah. you know, all these years. And even on my podcast, I try to give you guys like 
practical things that you can do don't like the shame has to go like you have yeah, to be yeah. a student and they have to be willing to yeah. say okay i don't know this but i'm willing to learn and do better so yes exactly parenthood um did not come with a manual so and so finances either <laughs> we never no. got one no and the shame makes you do things like avoid or mm-hmm. you know uh, make wrong decisions uh, you know so get rid of the shame so you can just face it and you know what it's it's if you just got to start somewhere. You got to face it if you want to make it better or change it or grow it or whatever. Right. So I just think this is so helpful. Thank you so much, Anna, for being here. And you are from Main Street Financial Planning. I just want to say that one more time. Your podcast is Money Boss Podcast. Um, and all of your information is, uh, is going to be in the show notes as well. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing this information. You are just um, helping so many families. And I just can't thank you enough for that. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. And remember, guys, you are the bosses of your own money. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and